that afternoon, just like thinking through it, it was just thinking about going back into teaching. I went into a little bit of a panic. I was like freaking out and not in a good way. And I was like, I know I would have the support I need at this school, but I just, I think I need to take a break. Hey everyone, welcome to I've Been Better, the podcast where we turn on the mic for other people to share their story. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. And if you are a new listener to this podcast, we want to say welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. We are on season five, which is super exciting to me because if you have been a listener from day one, I didn't know where this podcast was going to go when I started it. And now we are 25 episodes in and that's incredible to me. And I'm so grateful for all of the people in my life that have been willing to be vulnerable and get on this podcast and share their story. So thank you. If you are new and haven't subscribed, please do so on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you are an Apple user, we'd really encourage you to please give us a five-star rating as well as a review of some kind. Positive would be preferable uh, because those do matter and they are really important to us. And if you have any feedback, we love getting texts from friends that listen. Uh, you know, honestly, I'll share this little tidbit with someone who I hope to have on the podcast one day. But it was a previous coworker from when I worked at State. She reached out and just shared that she'd been listening after a hard time in her life. And she'd actually been a subscriber since day one, but hadn't listened to the episodes yet. And I think, one, that's pretty incredible that I have these people that I may not even realize are listening to the podcast. But she mentioned just how much of an impact these episodes had made in such a brief amount of time for her, and especially during a difficult period in her life. And so please message us those. Find us on Instagram at I'veBeenBetter.pod. Text me, call me. I may not answer. You can snail mail us, whatever it is. But any feedback you have is really appreciated. Um, on today's episode, we have a friend, Kelly, who we've been anxiously awaiting to be on the podcast. We actually t- were talking about this at a wedding this past year. And we were like, all right, Kelly, you got to come be on the podcast. And she's like, I'd love to be on the podcast. When can I do this? So here she is today. So I'll share a little bit about Kelly before we dive into talking with her. So Kelly is currently a graduate student at NC State working towards her PhD in education with a focus in math. So she's really smart. Before graduate school, Kelly taught in high school and elementary school math classrooms. And she was an assistant lacrosse coach as well as a swim coach. And she really loves basketball. So Kelly still coaches. We actually call her Coach Kelly you know, lovingly, this is Coach Kelly. She'll show up in the summer with like the deepest farmer's tans and like t-shirt tans. And we're like, well, because Kelly was at practice all morning. Um, Kelly has a sweet dog named Ada, who we love. She's basically a big white polar bear. And she's got her partner, Greg, who we also love and adore. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. And Kelly actually had a, um, what's the word I want to use? You, not not that you cheated. What's the word? You had a inside scoop on the podcast before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I came and like video recorded one of your past interviews for like a possible project for school yeah. for one of my classes. Because one of my classes is about is about interviewing. And so Susan does a very good job of the feminist style interview for <laughs> any of you that know what that is. But basically, she allows the space for people to share their stories and their experiences no matter what. And so it's really awesome. I'm, I will let you know it is 
I'm very grateful to hear that. And it's a, I take that as a huge compliment because again, when we started this podcast, I had this vision of what I wanted it to be and look like, but I had no idea that it had a name, but of course it has a name because everything has a name. <laughs> and, you know, I just knew I wanted it to be a storytelling interview style podcast based off these more well-known people that did this already. And then Kelly's like, yeah, you know, you have this style, this feminist style interviewing. And I was like, that's what? I do that? That's a thing? So that's really cool. Um, Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, you talked about how I taught, um, I coach, I actually have like my cup here. Ah, it says it. <laughs> it says Coach Adams. Coach Adams. Um, yep, from the seniors from last year from swimming. Oh, they're so sweet. Mm. Um, but I am one of those people that's born and raised in Raleigh. Um, a Raleighite, Yeah. Right? Is that what we call them? I guess so. <laughs> yeah? Are you inside or outside the belt line? Just barely outside the belt line. Tis, tis. But like just a few minutes down the road from here was actually where I grew up. <laughs> I love that. Um, and Raleigh is just this weird small town. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been talking with, with a lot of people about this lately. Like we keep finding these weird coincidences where yeah. everybody knows everybody through different avenues um we've even experienced yes. this well, like, we're like wait how do you you how do you know each other well because like greg knew josh from something completely separate from me knowing y'all and yeah. then like i knew y'all and <laughs> and then josh and i start dating and you're like what oh wait a second we're gonna have, like all these overlapping <laughs> yes now we all are together in this big happy circle yes raleigh is large in comparison to these little teeny tiny towns right mm-hmm. that many people come from in north carolina but in the grand scheme raleigh is so small mm-hmm. it's so small i think that's because especially the young adult population is so integrated into the city that you're gonna you're only like a few degrees separated from each other yeah you all know somebody who knows somebody yeah who knows somebody and then knows you yes yes <laughs> but yeah so i basically like grew up in that and i'm constantly like through all of the different things that i do through coaching through grad school through whatever i'm always like re-meeting people in different ways um but yeah, so I'm in grad school at State, um, and that's just been a lot of fun because I'm focusing in on education, yes, with a focus in math, and I just have really recently realized like education is what I love. Mm-hmm. Um, education is what I feel like I'm here to do, you know, in some capacity, not necessarily like being a teacher. There's more than just being a teacher, though also being a teacher is like super huge seriously i mean it takes some special people to be a teacher especially middle school high school i mean i could argue that for any grade right Mm -hmm. but i mean those that takes a special person to be able to teach people yeah yeah um so especially math if you're passionate about math (laughs) yeah i oh man so my whole family is a bunch of engineers like wow my parents are engineers my sisters are both engineers no way greg is an engineer you just surround yourself with With, that brain yeah yeah and so it's like i grew up like not wanting to be an engineer (laughs) i saw my parents doing what they were doing and i was just like i don't really want to do that yeah hey let's go teach (laughs) what do your parents do um so my dad is a mechanical engineer he works over at Pfizer. Okay. Um, basically, um, I have his vaccine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was he was very early in getting the vaccine because you know they oh, vaccinated absolutely. their employees for. <laughs> so yes. Um, yeah. So he works kind of like on the machines and stuff there. Though at his plant, so the plant out in Sanford, they don't make. I don't think they make the COVID vaccine, but they just do other vaccines. Yeah. And then um, my mom is a chemical engineer, but she works for RTI, Art and Research Triangle Park. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and does a lot with like risk assessments and remind me stuff. and I could be I could be being very ignorant right now. RTI, is that a nonprofit? Yes. Okay. We yeah. have a friend that works for them. So that's why I was like, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, because it's cool. RTI.org. So yeah. <laughs> that oh, that makes sense. <gasps> you know, I I have a nonprofit degree. And I'm like, oh, that's why there's an org. <laughs> it's okay. Well, there's like all these small things that like you always are learning and you're like, oh, that makes did, sense. either they said that and I wasn't paying attention one day or like that truly went right right over my head. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so you also are an NC teaching fellow and you have like, well, it's not a scholarship, right? But you applied to get this funding to go to mm-hmm. grad school, right? Yeah. So it's the NSF GRFP. Um, so <laughs> lots of letters. Everything's acronyms. Yes. You, you, you get that in My your field. My whole field is an acronym. Yes. <laughs> Everything I do and people are like, mm, what did you say? Same with education, honestly. But NSF National Science Foundation GRFP Graduate Research Fellowship program. I think I said that right. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so basically it's three years of funding, like full funding. It covers my tuition. It provi- pri- provides my stipend. Um, and it does have a little bit of extra money to do things like go to conferences, pay for some books and nice. a few supplies. Um, well, cause teaching is expensive yeah. to be a teacher. Well, and this is like also to be a grad student too, you know, like this is, yeah. cause this is technically like Anybody in any sort of STEM field, so like engineers that are in grad school, mm-hmm. um, biologists, like whatever uh, science, technology, <laughs> engineering, and math field you're in, you can apply for this. And so they do also have that category for STEM education, which is basically what I do, like math education. Right. Um, now, I, like when I looked at my review, so you could see your reviews after you know, they've reviewed it and whether they've decided you get it or you're just like an honorable mention or you don't get it. One of the reviews was like, this sounds kind of more language-based because what I applied for and what I study and what I'm interested in and related to math is like the language of math. Okay. So like how we talk about math concepts and the words and phrases that we use. Instead of the actual math itself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because like, it's not just like numbers on a paper um, and doing a bunch of computations, right. you're actually thinking about why you're doing that. What step do you take next? And that's all language it's focused processing, it. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like langu- sensory and like language processing of how do you interpret yeah. the math? Yeah, and then like so, my specific focus, I really am interested in like dialect and how like different dialects have different words and phrases for thinking through things, and especially at like the elementary level, like the kids <gasps> level, like they are thinking. Like in terms of the words that they know and the words that they use at home, which are not going to be the formal math language with like, you know, addition, what does that mean and stuff like that. Yeah. Like people who say plus instead of add. Yeah. But just then like, um, so like at home you might, like a kid might be thinking about like, okay, you know, I've got five cookies and you've got three cookies and well, let's bring those together. They're thinking through the concept of addition, Without the word addition. Or plus or anything like that. And so like what words are they thinking through? How are they thinking through that concept with the language that they know at that time? That is so fascinating. So you have to know a lot about development. Yeah. We were, y'all, we were just talking before this. (laughs) As you know, we do some talking before and then we start recording. And Kelly and I both took this developmental psych class in undergrad. So I went to NC State as well for any new listener. And that was the one class 
that did me in because developmental psych, at least how it's taught at NC State, is difficult. It's across the lifespan's development. So Kelly was just saying, you know, you've got to consider what a five-year-old knows language-wise and how they interpret math. And then you were also saying, well, I also teach, you know, high schoolers. So like, what language are they using to talk Mm -hmm. about this? And so I just think that's so funny that all these concepts get tied in. So I wonder if your developmental psych class was helpful or is helpful in any way. To be honest, not. Really. Yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> that's cause fair. That, like, like we said earlier when we were talking about it, it's so memorization based. And awful. Also, my that's like class. another thing too, though, with my math stuff is like everyone thinks math is memorization. It's like it shouldn't be. It's not. That's a great point, right? Like, so are you are you an advocate or against or neither multiplication tables and memorizing your multiplication tables? <laughs> You're like, I hate this question. So, um. Basically, the concept that I really stand by and support is like you end up memorizing them through what we call conceptual repetitions. So where you understand what is happening with multiplication. What does it mean to multiply? Why are we multiplying and how can we think through what it is? Like two times three. Okay, two groups of three. How do I represent that visually? What does that mean? And oh, okay. So like as kids do this multiple times, you know, eventually it's going to get to the point where they know, okay, two times three equals six. Right. But like, I'm not saying, hey, you should just see two X three equals six and like know what that is. Mm-hmm. That's so. so fascinating to me, especially as a child who I did well in math until high school. So I was in, I was on the math team. I was too. In so. high school. <laughs> yeah. And I traveled to do math competitions and then high school came and I bombed pre-cal. Sorry if bombed is not the great. I did not do well. I failed. Um, it was my hardest class. And I think that's when I realized that my brain did not work the same way <laughs> that other people's did for math. I was much more my right brain. And so I went into statistics and did really well in statistics. Like AP stats got the credit. That was how I interpreted math was through words. But that's like, that's the kind of an interesting thing about statistics is statistics is and I, and I am not in statistics education, so anybody that I know that's, like, you know, doing statistics education might, like, come back and I, I may have you said something DM wrong. Us, okay? But, Correct um, us. Like, I, I think statistics is just very, like, open-ended. It's, like, you think about, okay, what am I seeing here with these numbers? What do these mean? And why am I going to make this decision based off of what I've mm-hmm. looked at here? And that's, like... Um, the people in statistics ed talk about like statistical thinking um, and all of that. And it's a it's a, it's that space where you're allowed to be more language based and like what people think, like, you know, algebra, geometry, like it still is language based, but we just are not acknowledging that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are not. And that's where we get this divide of like, I'm a math person. I'm not a math person. And it's like, no, 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 no. Anybody can be a math person. You are no one is not a math person. Right, because we're all doing math all day. All the time. Right, all the time. You're just thinking through it differently. And it's just like, we need to make this space so that it's okay to think through math differently. We are still thinking about it mathematically correct. Like, as long as we're still mathematically co- accurate, it's fine. It shouldn't matter, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's what I tell, um, so I teach a class of undergrads right now, and they're, um, they're it's like the K2, so kindergarten through second grade. Um, math methods, so like focusing on additive thinking. So you're teaching adults how to teach K through two. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and so they like, you know, every time they're like, oh, well, sh- do you want us in complete sentences? Do you want this in a paragraph? Do you want it in bullet points? I, and I tell them like, I don't care how you phrase it. I don't care how you write it. 
Um, I'm not checking your grammar because that's a whole other thing with dialect that I could spend a long time on. Um, I would fail. But I tell them, you know, as long as it's mathematically accurate, however you want to express it is fine. Just make sure it's mathematically accurate. That's so, amazing. So, like, are you getting at the concept behind it? Yeah. Do you feel like that goes against what a lot of our education system is trying to push with these, like, standardized formats of teaching certain maths? Like, they changed division, right? And they changed multiplication, and they changed all these things. And it does seem like they're very, like, you have to learn it this way. So, like, the idea behind some of these changes, especially when you talk about, like, uh, oh, the new curriculum, the new math, the old math, it's uh-huh. like... No, what we're trying to do with this quote-unquote new math is we're trying to get at the conceptual understanding. Okay. So um, good goal, right? Like yeah. their intention was exactly what you're talking about. Yes, the intention is there, but how we are going about it is still keeping us in the, you have to get the right answer, you have to get the right answer, you have to get the right answer. And it's like, but there's small, like... And you have to show your work using our method to get yeah. that answer instead of like, if you got the answer, mm-hmm. that'd be great. So like oh, the idea behind showing multiple methods is like, hey, someone's going to find a method that makes sense to them conceptual wise. And so you're going to stick with that. And we should allow the chance for like kids to choose their method that is conceptually based. We can start to push them towards more efficient methods. Yes. But we want them to have that conceptual understanding yeah. first. Um, but we as a society, are still so focused on, did you get the right answer? Did you follow the steps that I exactly. told you to do? That Show your work. Yeah. We're not thinking about, like, the concepts behind it. And oh, oh, man. So many things. I could really, like, sit and talk about this all day talking about just this. Well, but. you can tell how passionate you are about it. I mean, clearly, you care a lot about this, This um, I'm going to use the word concept just because another one's not coming to mind, but yeah. this this belief of that everyone is good at math. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're like signing yourself up to either be to be good at math or to not be good at math, but it's that it's how we're teaching it. Like yeah. how we're teaching it, it doesn't go well. Yes. You can just tell, you know, that this is something that you really care a lot about. And so I'm curious about what your experience has been in teaching in North Carolina. So if anyone's familiar and lives here in North Carolina, specifically the Triangle area, um, our teachers aren't treated the best. We are they aren't given the best respect and you know, that can come in multiple forms, whether that's pay, whether that's support, whether that's X, Y, or Z. So I'd love to hear what that's been like for you and, you know, kind of just share your experience. Yeah. So um, you said that I was, a, you like brought up the fact that I was a North Carolina teaching fellow. And so part of that, it was a scholarship for undergrad. And part of that involved me teaching after graduating to kind of pay back the scholarship. So really it was more of a loan, but if I taught, then it became a scholarship. <laughs> um, gotcha. So when I graduated, so I graduated, I took five years because I did a four-year program for elementary ed, but then I stayed for a fifth year to finish a degree in math. So like just a bachelor's in math. Okay. So then I just took like an extra test and basically I was certified to teach K-6, any subject, and then 6-12 math. So really I could teach any level I wanted, um, which was kind of nice. That is really nice. And I thought it was great for just like math understanding too, because I was like, okay, I know where they're coming from, where they're supposed to go, depending on what level I end up in. Right. So I started out teaching high school, um, which was great. I love the school that I worked at and I still kind of work with them with some of my coaching now. Um, and I sub there when I can. It's just, a, it's a great school. That's awesome. Um, is it a public school? It's a public school. That's yeah. Great. I'm also like... Strong advocate for public schools. Um, I will not go into all of that now, but public schools are great. (laughs) That's for another podcast for another day. Um, But 
Yeah. So I started teaching high school and it just was interesting to me because I had not taught high school before. I didn't do my student teaching in high school. I did my student teaching in fourth grade. Um, and I was treated like a, I felt like I was treated by like a professional. Like I was treated like you knew what you were talking about, which I was like, oh, this is great. Like by administration, by teachers, like of course, teachers, we all treat each other like professionals. I would hope so, yeah. But like parents too, like parents come in like, okay, well, what do you suggest? And I was a first year teacher and I'm like, I internally, I'm like, I don't know what to tell so you. So a lot of imposter know. syndrome. But like at the same time, I was capable and I clearly knew what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so then after that, I kind of, I decided I wanted to teach elementary so as well, <laughs> just get some experience in that. And again, I still was, I guess, dealing with some imposter syndrome, felt like I didn't belong teaching high school. So I went and then taught at the elementary level in fourth grade, which I was like, this is what I know. I'm great at this. I did this for my student teaching. I have so much experience in this. But I was treated like I didn't know what I was doing, wow. which was weird because yeah. I've like come from the high school level where it was like I felt like I didn't know what I was doing and everybody else felt like I did. And then I go to elementary and it's like I felt like I knew what I was doing. And everyone else was like, you just teach elementary. You don't know. Wow. You're, you're, it's just elementary. And it's like, no, 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 no. Elementary is hard. It's there's, foundational. Like there's it's way there's so much more into teaching elementary than people realize. Um, so like that was just an interesting shift how old are you at the how old are you at the time um so that would probably be about like 23 24 25 yeah so So a young adult out of college though and it is not unusual to see young 20s teaching Mm -hmm. because that is how it works when you get out of school you go into teaching Mm -hmm. so this wasn't like you were the youngest teacher in elementary school no like they were definitely like there were some other BT, so beginning teacher year one, like I, that was my second year teaching, but also like I spent an extra year in college getting another degree. So like I was very knowledgeable about math and like I was teaching math, right. <laughs> but you know. Almost like you're teaching art and you're like, I've never taken an art class in my life. Yeah. It was something that like I had taken a lot of courses on. I had, you know, done student teaching in this subject. Right. And so it was just. And yeah. when you say you were treated like you didn't know what you were talking about. Walk us through like what that must have looked like in your day-to-day interactions with people. So like, you know, with the other teachers, like the teach again, teachers, we treated each other as professionals, as you were knowledgeable. But administration was much more like micromanaging mm-hmm. and like, oh, well, you shouldn't do this that way. You need to do it this way. And it's like this, whatever I'm doing, like, was just super insignificant. <laughs> it was like, why are you saying there's an issue with how I like set up my tables? They're fine. So They're working weird. together in groups. That's what I want them to do. Um, but I, you know, of course can't argue that I was <laughs> just, okay, whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then like parents constantly being like, like some parents w- were very happy and it was fine and like worked with me and like we had a good relationship. And then there were a couple, like every now and then a couple other parents that would like, they would just go straight to administration with any like minor inconvenience that they thought was terrible, horrible, or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 your your kid's kind of being an asshole. <laughs> like, your kid's actually I, a dick. But I can't, you know, I'm not gonna like say that. Right. Well, you bring up such a great point of the nuance of teaching under twelve, right? So mm-hmm. pre middle school, there's this sense of like teachers we've seen this and i think y'all can all relate to what we've seen during covid of the pressure 
that is put on teachers to be more than a teacher Mm -hmm. and that you're somehow supposed to treat every kid right like as an individual and like be respectful of all their things and they're all learning and then yet still be able to teach and babysit 20 kids yeah and there's just so much (laughs) yeah i can't imagine what that must have been like because it makes me angry just thinking about how what is the word my brain how much how many barriers you have to overcome to be a teacher Mm -hmm. in an elementary school setting yeah and it's like we are all capable of and like the uh and there's like the whole thing where you know everyone's like oh well you're not teaching you're indoctrinating my kids and like that's a whole thing right now uh, that's just so frustrating indoctrinating like, oh them God. into what a cult like <laughs> that uh especially with education just being right now in the news it like frustrates me to no yeah. end and it's like no 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 the teachers are doing what they're supposed to do and like you just don't, <sighs> you just don't understand yeah yeah is there a time that comes up for you that like really makes you think about like, oof, that was rough? Because you're clearly not teaching fourth grade yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my last year of teaching, I taught fourth grade. So, okay, just to give you like a timeline. Please I do. We're st- here. We're ready. <laughs> I graduated undergrad. Um, and then I went and taught high school. I taught, you know, high school math. And then the very next year, I went to teach fourth grade and we did a... A team teaching. So I taught math, science, and social studies, and the other teacher taught reading and writing, okay. um, like the language arts stuff. And so we would share two classes of kids. So I'd see like my homeroom class for like half the day, a little bit more than half the day. And then I would see her homeroom for like the other part of the day and teach like the math and science. That or sounds math and social studies. like what my experience was, at least in. I can't remember my elementary too, too much, but that's what it sounds like I did for middle school. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's very common to like um, to do that in like upper grades of elementary. So like fifth and fourth um, to do that. But then like the next year. So then what basically became at this point my last year of teaching <laughs> um, the class that the, so they were third grade when I was teaching fourth grade that year and you know, they were doing the team teaching where the kids were switching, and I guess they had a rough time with it. Um, like this specific class. This specific had a rough class, time. yeah. Um, there were a lot of like behavior issues. Um, so the principal decided the very next year, she's like, no, 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 you guys aren't doing team teaching. You're going to self contained, meaning like I'm teaching everything to this one class of uh, like 20 kids all day. All day. Um, <laughs> with no help. Yeah. So, I think part of that reason was like they, they should not have, you know, maybe team teaching wasn't great for third grade developmental wise, but like I think the kids could have handled it in fourth grade. If, if they, we had done it in fourth grade, it probably could have made a lot of things easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was just like kind of a what we had been told was a little bit of a more difficult, more challenging class. And so like I was ready for it. I was like, okay, you know, I like, we can do this. I had my team backing us up. So we were constantly talking and figuring out like, what can we do to best support these kids? Um, But what ended up happening, I had like no support from administration. I had, I have to say, I really did love these kids. (laughs) Like, you know, I love my kids, you know, the kids that I coach, the kids that I teach, like I care about every single one of them. Um, 
not to say it's easy, no. <laughs> but like I did care about every single one of them. So when I'm, whatever I'm saying, just remember I cared about these kids. Through um, the filter of love. Yes. <laughs> the lens of love. But I had a kid that he would just get up and run out of my classroom. He mm-hmm. was, he was a, like a bigger kid. He was like almost, you know, he was like your size. <laughs> So he was like like hormonal puberty early yeah. in like fourth grade. Yeah. So also like, you know, a kid like your size getting up and just like running out of the classroom. But then like Huge I can't leave my classroom yep. because like I've got all of the other kids here. So I can't go running after him. So then, you know, we had that happen. We I had like kids that were like almost trying to fight each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there, there were just so many, so many things happening. Um, and Whenever something would happen, I can't leave my classroom. I can't leave my kids. So I call the office for support. And I just remember like one day calling the office and the secretary picked up the phone. And I was like, hey, I just need a little bit of help here. I've got, I just need help with this particular student. We know we need to intervene and help them out in some way, take them out to give them a break. I just can't walk them out of the room right now by myself. Or I'm going to um, leave 19 other children yes. by themselves. Yes, yeah. and I can't do that. And so she said to me, I'll see if I can find somebody to help you. Because I guess there was nobody else in the office. They were all dealing with other stuff going on. And then it's like, and my room was not too terribly, like it was up on the next floor from the office, but like not that far. And then it was about maybe 10 minutes later that the secretary finally comes up and she's like, I couldn't, like nobody else came by. I couldn't get anybody else to come help you. Here, I'll take um, this child with me. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Was that um, like a moment for you where you were just like, what? Like, what What do you mean you, you'll see? Yeah. Like, like, there's no other... You have to. Like, I, I need help. Like, I can't do this on my own. I I'm need... not just making this up because I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um. And it was just, like, stuff like that where I was, you know, if I needed support from the office, I wasn't getting support from the office. Um, How administration was choosing to handle certain things with some kids. So, I had this one student, and he is a very, very sweet kid. Um, but and he was very, very smart, but not academically. Um, he did what he could to get out of his academic work, um, because he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to be shown as not being smart. And that's like a whole other thing, but he was so smart because he knew how to spin things to manipulate the adults to get things to go his way and I saw it and I saw it happening and of course because half the time it got spun against me you of know because he'd go to the principal and say da 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 and I'm you know then she would be like oh well I had a student come and tell me this this and this and I'm like not true but okay when you, and like, how are you even supposed to defend yourself in that situation you are in a room by yourself with 20 some people have 20 plus like Mm -hmm. however many kids you're in a room with and you've got this one kid that like you said has a motive to maybe not do the work for a very legitimate reason right Mm -hmm. there's some shame and guilt behind his ability to do work yeah but of course he's going to turn it against you because that's what kids know yeah if i can get what did you go by in school um i was miss womack okay so they'd be like oh miss womack uh she yelled at me and then you go back and the principal's like little joey said that Miss, well, that you yelled at him, and you're like, well, oh, it doesn't matter what I say like, because how am I going to defend myself anyway? Because you're already like she already just and like I get it, you know. There are sometimes teachers that like are 
inappropriate. Yeah. Yes, we do need to listen to students, but like at the same time, there are other teachers that it's like they're doing what they're supposed to, but the kids are the kids are smart. Yeah, kids they, aren't stupid. And but like sometimes administration just I don't know. It sounds. It almost seems like yeah, like there's they don't know who to support, and then they're yeah. backing up. We're not going to use the word wrong, but they're backing up the position or the person that like isn't in the right. Yeah. And we're like, what's the motivation behind this? Right? Are you on the parent side? Are you on our side? If you want to be on both, there has to be a better way. Yeah. Because this can't. That's not sustainable. Yeah. And so yeah, it just kind of every like, it got to a point that year where like everything I did was wrong. Even if I did exactly what she suggested, too, that was like the other thing is sometimes I'd be like, you know, I at first I was trying to be very open about it. Like, hey, I'm this is what I'm dealing with in my classroom. Like, what do you suggest? And so I tried like that going to administration Good being approach, like, OK, right? like, what do you okay. suggest? OK, you say this, this and this. I'm going to go do that, that and that. But then somehow it was always I did one piece wrong or like even though I did that and it didn't work. Because in my mind, I'm like, it's this is not going to work. And then it was my fault because I didn't. I'm like, I did exactly what you told me to. Well, it sounds and like I didn't want to take the blame for it. Yeah. What do you feel like, and you are speaking from your perspective, so I think everyone can acknowledge that here, but what do you think they're the higher to the admin, so mm-hmm. principals, you know, what was their motive? Was it to not take responsibility for things because that would make them look bad? Honestly, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, like putting it plainly. They very, yeah, they're that. In particular, administration like that principal, um, it's very much about making sure that she looks great in front of like the parents, and then for this particular like, okay, what parents are the ones that are going to fund this, this, and this? And I want to make mm-hmm. sure I look great in front of these parents. Mm-hmm. And so okay. image based, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. She's no longer at that school, but she is still um, a principal in school in Raleigh, but I will not say. Well, and let's <laughs> like, hope she's grown to some degree, right? I hope so, because, yeah. oh, yeah. That, but I just had a hard time, like, dealing with everything that year that it's, like, I kind of got to a point where I just, this was even, this was long before the end of the school year, and I was, like, I'm not going to quit on these kids halfway through the school year. I also, like. It sounds like you thought about it, though. Yeah. I, like, there were many days where I was, like, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. Um, but I just was, like, I you know, I don't want to leave these kids. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I cared about these kids, <laughs> every single one of them, no matter like how difficult it was on some days, I cared about them and I didn't want to leave them hanging mm-hmm. because I knew if I left with like a couple months left in the school year, they would just get a sub and- Potentially like, not learn like anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to say that they were learning a whole lot because it kind of got to a point where I just was kind of approached the last few days and I was just like, well, I'm here and I'm just going to make sure everyone stays safe. So you're all going to do a worksheet? going to watch this movie? Well, I mean, like we, I would still teach like normal, but like if a student just chose not to do it, I wasn't going to like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know what? You're cho- you have your reasons for choosing not to do it and some of them are beyond my control and I'm not going to force you into this. Um, which, yeah, again, I, I realized like at the end of that school year, it was hard and I had to do what I needed to, to make sure I was okay. I had to do what I need. I had to do to make sure that the kids were safe and like some of them at least learned something. something. Um, the least you could do. And so, yeah, I kind of like had just in my mind, like, okay, well, we're just gonna, you know, I won't try and do anything extra and super exciting and we're just gonna, you know, do what we're supposed to do. And 
like the last few weeks actually went rather smoothly. <laughs> it's almost like when you unfortunately stopped caring a lot. Yeah. And and it well, it was yeah, it was like I still cared about the kids, like right. I said, but I didn't care about how they did on their EOGs. Yep. Which again should not be, you know, the focus, but like I was like, okay, we are here and we're going to learn what we can, which is what t- some teachers ended up doing, you know, last year with COVID, which is a better way to approach it. Like, hey, let's learn what we can. We're not trying to shove in all of these different standards that go right. to like 20 million different things. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, Do you feel like you had teacher support? Like, did you have a team of like other fourth grade teachers that you could talk to? What was that like? Yeah. Um so I had that team and like they were extremely supportive and loved those women. They were great. But they were just they were also kind of like a different life stages than I was. So they were a little bit older, had a lot more experience. Um so it was like I could talk to them about kids and everything, but I'd always just felt like I didn't fully connect with them. Mm-hmm. But I still had their support like with teaching and with working with this class and so we were all constantly trying to think of like what can we do to make the last few weeks go smoothly yeah. um, for the kids. So, did they yeah. see the unfairness and like the inability for admin to support you as well? Like, were they in agreement with that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Th- that this particular admin also like kind of played favorites, and mm. I just ended up not being on the favorite list. There was not much I could have done to have changed that. Right. Um, yeah, but. <sighs> I might be jumping ahead no, with this good. question, but like, did that sour or like taint your view of teaching? At first, yes. Um, so like I, you know, finished out that school year and I'd resign. I, I initially tried to like in the, tra- there's a what we call the transfer window and it's long before the end of the school year. And I knew at that time, this, this was like, you know, February, March, maybe, I think it is. Um, I knew I was going to want to transfer. <laughs> and I just, you know, I want to still teach, wanted to still teach. I just couldn't do it anymore under that administration. Right. I knew that I needed to get away from that administration. So tried to transfer to different schools. Nothing was really open at the time. Everyone was like, oh, I don't know about our numbers. We don't have space. A lot of, there were several schools that were like, oh, we're losing students. So we don't have the numbers to get certain a number of teaching positions so like the schools that I wanted to go to or would tied to go to didn't really have positions Mm -hmm. for me so I didn't have a position and I knew okay if I can't transfer I'm just gonna quit either way I was not coming back to that school that fall um so I like filled out my like resignation papers and all of that and then over the summer I still was like kind of applying to jobs like teaching jobs and I got um, an interview, and I got offered a position at another high school. And I was like, I can teach high school. I enjoyed teaching high school. Um, you know, again, I could have te- taught <laughs> any level. And so I was applying to elementary, middle, high school. Um, so I got a job offer at a good high school. And I was like, this if I'm going back, you know, this is a good school to go back to. And so after I got the offer, I just kind of like waited because I always do the thing where I'm like, oh, okay, you know, let me give me like a day to just think about it because yeah. I can't, I don't want to just respond right away. I have to like think and process. Yeah. Um, and so like that afternoon, just like thinking through it, it was just thinking about going back into teaching. I went into a little bit of a panic. I was like freaking out and not in a good way. And I was like, I know I would have the support I need at this school, but I just, 
I think I need to take a break. Yeah. Um, like it was such an awful experience. The thought of even teaching under good management. Yeah. Didn't sound good. Yeah. So I did not teach that following year. I I still sub. So like I was a registered sub um, in Wake County. So I was subbing periodically along with like basically nannying that year and tutoring. So I was still working in education in a different capacity. Right. And that year I ended up applying to grad school. Um, yeah. And so I still was teaching and like through subbing, I came to like enjoy teaching again. So like I said, I'm teaching a class of undergrads right now. I really enjoy it. I still go and sub on my days that I can in Wake County. Um, I really do love it. <laughs> I just yeah. needed that break. Yeah. When you had to, I mean, when you think about anything traumatic that happens for somebody, right? And we can talk about in a second what that was like for you, Kelly, like how you coped with, you know, those feelings that you had. And it takes time for you to heal from that and to rewire how you think about something, right? So you'd had this negative experience that mm-hmm. was, you know, for lack of better terms here, like a traumatic management experience, which in variety of fields, I bet people can relate to. So of course you're a little burned by that environment. And so you've got to take it slow to go back. So I think subbing sounds like a perfect way to been able to do that, to dip your toes back in without being totally committed. Yeah. And then be like, okay, now I'm ready to go back. Yeah. So it was like, subbing was great because it was like, I yes, I'm still the responsible adult in the room and I'm still managing the class and I'm still teaching whatever it is I'm teaching. But it was great because I got to work with like a variety, I get to work with a variety of different teachers, a variety of different students in different settings. Um, But I also didn't have to be the number one person at the end of the day that was responsible for everything. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So. How are you coping? And I know we're circling back a little bit, but when that around that time that you're deciding I can't come back, there's major behavior issues in my classroom and no one's helping me. How are you dealing with that? So I didn't really, um, this, and this realization kind of came after removing myself from that year, like after the school year was over and like I was moving on. I realized I was not coping super well. Because so <laughs> um, again, like I was just so focused on the kids. Like that was... Yeah. Everything I did was for the kids that I didn't necessarily think about what I was doing for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cope with alcohol a lot. Um, I get, I was never, you know, never drank in the morning. Like I was not going to school drunk or hungover, or maybe hungover, but like not <laughs> <laughs> under the active influence yes, of alcohol. I, yes, it was out of my system. <laughs> um, but I drank a lot that year. I like, would come home and I'd be like, okay, let me just have a glass of wine. Um, I did a lot of like social things and I would drink to the point of being sick many nights. Mm. Um, like I, now when I like drink, you know, there are occasionally nights where I drink a lot, but like it's fewer and farther between than yeah. like that year. That year it was definitely like at least once a week I got like really drunk to the point of being sick. Sometimes it was more than once in a week. Um and again, I just didn't realize it until I was out of that year. And I was like, like at the time I was like, oh yeah, I'm just, okay, we're just going to go do this book club again. And I would drink way more wine than I should have. Or like, oh, okay, we're going to go to this party and drink way more <laughs> than yeah. I needed to. Or just even hanging out at home and like having two or three glasses of wine by myself. And then being uh, like, oh, this is normal. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not fine. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't fine. 
And then it sounds like looking back too, like you're around that age where unfortunately alcohol is so normalized to that degree, right? 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Binge drinking is a normalized behavior. Yeah. Not, not good, but it's accepted in our society, right? And so you're engaging in these behaviors and justifying them, right? Like yeah. everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everybody's doing this. Yeah, and fine. my job sucks. So I'm allowed to drink. Yeah. And like, there was just, uh, there were other things going on in like personal life and it was just, <laughs> I don't know. Not a good time. I did, though, I did one thing that I did do well is I did start going to therapy that Yay! year. <laughs> therapy plug. Go therapy. Um, and there was, so like I was having a hard time with school, but then I was having a hard time with like Greg and I had just gotten engaged and then there was like all of that stuff prepping and Issues with my soon-to-be mother-in-law at the time. And oh, like, boy, that's another podcast that's day, a, yeah, right? That's a whole other thing. Yes. Um, and I just, there was one day where I was, like, driving home, and I was literally, like, a minute away from my house, and I just, like, busted out crying because mm-hmm. I was just, like, thinking through all of the things going on, and I was like, I can't do this, and I, like, had to pull over. I was, like two seconds from my house, just like right around the corner. But like, I had to pull over because I was like this, I cannot drive right now. Mm -mm. I had to like sit and cry out and then go home. I was like, finally got to a state where I could calm down enough to get home. And then I went inside and cried some more. And I was like, okay, we're going to the therapist. Yeah. This is a sign, (laughs) right? A clear as day. I need help. Yeah. And so that was actually really good. I like went to that therapist for, I mean, it was like once a month. I I didn't see her super frequently, but like enough to kind of help a little bit. Um, so that was a good that coping mechanism. Good. Well, sometimes it takes us hitting a metaphorical bottom of some kind to realize that we need that help. Yeah. So it was, uh, like after that year I did stop going to see her and I've kind of gone back into therapy. I have an appointment for like two weeks from now, so Yay! I'm super excited. That's so good. <laughs> just because therapy is great. Even if you think everything's going well, you know, it's just it's called maintenance therapy. We all need it. Just, you know. Nice little check-ins. Yes. I, I need those and I appreciate those. Um, but yeah, so those were kind of like my two main ways of coping <laughs> was alcohol and therapy. <laughs> hey, one of them, great. The other one, eh. Yeah. So, I mean, I, since then though, like in coming out of that year, I like recognize that, okay, that was not great. Mm-hmm. And I'm much more conscious now about like my alcohol intake. I do drink, but you know, I'm not like, Every night having a glass of wine or, you know, like most days, like I, I'm good with <laughs> like, it's great. you know, I really only drink in like social situations and it's like, I don't like drinking at home. And so it's like, I'm not going to drink at the house by myself. And like, I have made that like not a normal thing for me. Right. It's okay to drink at home, but I'm usually doing it if like we're having people over for like dinner or there's you an know, event, like, right? Like yes. something calls for it. Yes. And do you feel like no longer being in a, in a, a work environment that is actively stressing you out has that decreased the need to like drink and rely on alcohol yeah yeah i mean like yes i'm definitely stressed out grad school grad, student grad life students is, are stressed even it's, in its own category of people yes but like yeah it's not in a like i need to dull this pain and i don't want to have to mm-hmm. think about what i just was dealing with yep. type of way so it's yeah much better <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I was genuinely curious because I know for me, and I may have mentioned this before, but when I was in grad school, that was my foray with unhealthy binge drinking behaviors. Mm-hmm. And because graduate school is the t- one of the top populations for depression. Yeah. 
Um, so it would make sense like you if you had been leaning on those mm-hmm. old coping skills, right? To like go back and, but it sounds like the, it was just something about that year and what you had access to. Yeah. And then when that was over, you're like, oh no, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, because like I said, like I took that year after, so, you know, had that really bad year of teaching and then I took the year off from teaching. And right. like that was when I had those reflection moments of like, that was really bad. <laughs> so like, then I kind oh, of no. had that reflection like going into grad school. So like, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't need to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Like that d- didn't really get me what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, how are you today? So today itself, like I'm pretty good. <laughs> good. It's a very chilly fall day here. Yes. And I do like the cold. I don't know. I, just, I do too. I like being like I'm bundled up in my little cozy, comfy clothes. And <laughs> oh, me too. I will take it being chilly where I can bundle up than being sweaty and yeah. hot. Any day. Being hot actually makes me actively anxious. Like I am a miserable human being when I'm hot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not to say that, that I'm like been super great, like, you know, for the past several weeks and months, like I had a moment couple weeks ago where I was just kind of a little bit more depressed and that was when I made my finally got back <laughs> I was like okay it's time for us to go back to therapy That's so again good. so um I like just laid on the couch and I was like didn't want to do anything didn't want to talk to anybody and mm-hmm. it was kind of not a great day but you know again reflecting on it yeah. I, one thing I've definitely worked on in therapy is like okay how did I handle that what can I do instead and like mm-hmm. what can I do to work um, to get myself out of those pits that I sometimes dig myself into. Well, um, and, the, and the pits don't have to be super, like you said, like it, it was a day. It was just one day. It was a day and that happens, right? We're not yeah. supposed to be happy and peppy and have it all together all the time. It'd be great if we did, yeah. but we don't because we're humans and we have a lot of things we can't control mm-hmm. in our lives. Like, hello, pandemic, right? So yeah. it makes sense that during everything going on and you're in grad school and you're teaching and there's a pandemic that you'd have a day where you're like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah, just leave me alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, today I'm doing well, like for kind of good few days. And we've got Thanksgiving coming up, which is just my favorite holiday. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. We went to a Friendsgiving last night and that was the first Friendsgiving in two years, right? Because mm-hmm. during COVID, that was really not a thing unless you had this like tight knit of friends, right? That you could hang out with and do that. And it was really nice. I ate way too much food. <laughs> My plate got way too much food put on it by me. Um, but yeah, it's such a fun, it's very nostalgic and like happy feeling time yeah. for for many. And for others, it's a, it's a hard time of year, but that's good. Yeah. You said you're going to therapy? Yes. What else are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, Trying to work out regularly. Yeah? Like, it's just one of those things I enjoy doing whatever the workout looks like. Yeah. And so, so when you say workout, maybe like physical movement, like just yes. moving physically somehow mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. So I'm sort of like lifting weights of some kind, maybe a walk or I need to run a little bit because we're doing a like a 10K for Thanksgiving and I haven't run in months. So I'm we like, just watched our friend do the Oak City Marathon oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it's a 10K and I'm like, I haven't run in a very long time. So it might be a 10K walk. <laughs> a walk, run, shuffle to the end. Yeah. I love that. Where is the 10K? Um, it's over at Dorothea Dix. It's the like Runology trophy. Oh, turkey fun. Trot. The turkey trot. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love watching races. Do races, or do, you, or do you watch marathons? Have anyone in your family like a marathon runner? Um, We don't have any marathon runners, but I've like watched a couple races where I see like, you know, my sister has been doing a lot of like, 5Ks and 10Ks okay. with her husband. And so 
yeah. to like watch them sometimes. So it could just be me, but I races are so emotional to me. So we were at the end waiting for our friend to do the marathon. And so her mom was already done. Mm-hmm. And her mom's great brother. She's a big fan of the podcast. Hey, Kayla. <laughs> um, so she was at the end with us and we were waiting and just you, the people crossing the finish line like for the half. And so she did the 10K and then there was a half and a full. Mm-hmm. And so people were finally crossing for the half and the full when we got there and people were just like crying. And so then I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't run these, but I will cry with you. Yeah. It's just like so much emotion. Like you've, you've just accomplished like this thing. like And, it, and everyone's so ha- like cheering. Yeah. Like it's just amazing. Yeah. And okay. like one thing I'm trying to like get behind is like, you know, even if I just do a 5K, sometimes I'm like, oh, but I've done half marathons before. It's like, yeah, but like I still did this 5K. Seriously. I still like ran this or walked this. I moved this distance, which is amazing. Yeah. You still did something. Yes. I do that when like I walked the dog today. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. I got up, I moved and it was great. And Good. Jazzy probably enjoyed it too. She does. She loves the walks. <laughs> So moving, physical movement, mm-hmm. therapy. Yeah. What else? Just seeing friends. Like it, I really love like hanging out with people. Um, and we have a nice large group of friends and like various groups of friends. We were talking about this earlier and just getting a chance to catch up with people, see how they're doing, see what they're up to. Cause I don't do, I'm not great with like texting communication or like you know keeping up with people virtually so it's like i need to hang out with them in person and to see their face yes Yes. (laughs) i totally get that and i think that's been hard i don't Mm -hmm. think i know that's been hard over the last almost two years because you haven't been able to see people yeah face to face yeah and then like right now as people are starting to do more things people are getting like way busier i feel like and i know i'm this way too like we're all way busier than we were before almost i don't understand how, how that happened I yeah don't know, i'm like i'm sorry i used to go weekends without having plans and now i literally am like i have to decline things yeah and that's not me singing my praises for my popularity it's simply just <laughs> there i think everyone's so deprived of having stuff to do over the last 18 months that we are just cramming our calendars everything full of stuff. like we yeah. want to do everything we want to see everybody and, and like, the amount of weddings we've been to oh my gosh yeah <laughs> insanity so there's a a stat that's already come out that 2022 has more weddings on the calendar than an x number of years combined Oh 2022 gosh. is supposed to be the busiest year yeah, Greg, for weddings. Greg and I, like the past few years, have been like, okay, let's count up how many weddings we have to go to this year. And so we've got three for the calendar for next year. <laughs> yep, we have two already. We had five last year. So 2021 was our biggest year for weddings. We had five. And then this year we have, we have two. I don't anticipate anyone else getting married next year, but yeah, what do I know? Uh, people surprise us. <laughs> right? They'll be like, we're getting married tomorrow. Like, that's great. <laughs> So lots of friend time, mm-hmm. and then you've got your sweet dog. Mm-hmm. Time with Greg, hopefully, yes. is good. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, hi, Greg. Um, and therapy and physical movement. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Kelly, what are some words or phrase that you live by that you'd like to share with us? So this may not like necessarily apply to everyone, but it's a phrase that's like really helped me in grad school. Um, it's helping me right now, <laughs> and it's helped me the past few semesters. And it's just, it will get done. Everything will get done. Like not like everything that needs to get done will get done. Um, because, you know, sometimes, especially with grad school, it's like, oh, I've got to do, I've got to read this. I've got to write this. And I've got to do this and this and this. But at the end, and it, you get stressed about like feeling like it's not going to get done. But at the end of the day, everything always gets turned in. Yeah. Like and when have you never not turned something in? Exactly. And it's like, I think back to like my first semester where I I hadn't been told this phrase by a fellow um, doc student, 
you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get everything done. And I, she told me this phrase like second semester. And I was like, you're right. I did turn in everything <laughs> that I first semester. Yeah. I, I, everything got done. And then it's just like, it's something that I kind of tell myself when I get worked up about like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get this done in time. It's like, no, 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 it will get done. And it kind of helps calm me down so I can finish the thing (laughs) or at least work on the thing and chip away at part of it. Yeah. It sounds like you're trying to recall back. Maybe, maybe memory is not the right word here, but you're recalling a known fact for yourself that like, hey, you always get it done. Why are you stressing thinking you're not going to get it done? Yeah. Like, how is this that much different than any other time you've done this? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's just, it's, that's something that's helped me. I realize it's like, you know, it helps me in grad school. Some people it, that could help, you know, depending yeah. on what your work situation is like or what you are trying to work through or work on. But like, that's just yeah, something school, that's been helping me. professional, right? Almost any environment. I see it a lot with the clients I work with, right? Where they're like, well, I have 6,000 things to do. And I'm like, okay, well, the things that don't get done, clearly, unfortunately, we're probably not you know, on the top of your list to get done, yeah. but you always seem to get everything done, right? So yeah. that stress is just trying to keep you mm-hmm. in the stressed out state. Like You don't need to do that. Yeah. So yeah, it will get done. Everything that needs to get done will get done. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Kelly, thank you for, one, being a teacher. You know, I don't think that that gets said enough. It Like, as I said earlier, it takes a special person to teach any grade. You know, I see teachers often change careers. So I work with people from education in the therapy world and many of them leave Mm -hmm. because of the lack of support that they have. And so I know that how you have felt is shared amongst other teachers. And I think that's really unfortunate because teachers are the backbone of our society. And we don't treat them like we should. We don't pay them like we should, but you know. Especially not here. (laughs) So thank you so much for doing what you do. And I love how passionate you are about it. I think that's amazing that you can have such joy in something that can be so frustrating. Yeah. And I really do want, like, I know I'm not in the classroom itself and I might go back. I don't really know what I'll do when I graduate, but like whatever I do, I want to make sure I'm supporting students and teachers as best as I can. Well, and it sounds like you're on the right path to doing that because when you've been there where you know what it feels like to not be supported. And so now you can do something with that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for being here today. And I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and you run that 10K <laughs> and you win the 10K. You can't really win a 10K. I probably, I probably will not win it. But <laughs> not you, that fast. <laughs> you win according to your own successes. I finish it. That, that is a there, win okay, for me. Okay, <laughs> perfect. We finish the 10K. And just thank you so much for sharing this story. I'm hopeful that people who are in graduate school or want to go to graduate school or want to teach can take something from that. Thank you. Thank you for just allowing me to the space to share. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've Been Better.pod.